There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, which essentially is a way for you to find one-to-one teachers to have conversations or English lessons. You can find them online and then you can have English lessons or conversations in the comfort of your own home uh, using your computer with Skype or Zoom or some other kind of video conferencing um, app on your computer. So you can just have conversations and lessons right there in the comfort of your own home. They have loads of teachers to choose from. It's very convenient and very professionally done. Millions of people use italki. And when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson. To get the offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there, dear listener, and welcome back to this podcast for learners of English as a foreign or second language, or third, or fourth. In these episodes, I try to help you learn English while having a laugh at the same time. We cover a lot of British culture in these episodes, including lots of stuff about comedy and there's lots of English to be learned in the process. Here's another episode about Alan Partridge, a comedy character played by Steve Coogan. This is part four of a series I started in autumn 2018. You should listen to parts one to three, that's episodes 548 to 550, before hearing this. Seriously, if you haven't heard the other parts yet, stop right now and go back to hear them. This will not make much sense to you unless you've heard parts one to three. So go back and listen to them instead before you listen to this. All right. Okay. so only the people who've already heard parts one to three, that's episodes 548 to 550, only those people are still with me now then, right? So it it should just be those people who've... What about... Hold on. What about you there? Yes. Yes. I don't remember you listening to the other parts. Yeah, it's probably best to just hear those first, like I said. So probably just stop and, and, and go back. Yeah, they're in the in the archive. Okay, you're still listening. No, that's fine. Yep. Yeah, okay, just ignore. Yeah, just ignore what I said. Yeah, because yeah, this doesn't apply to you, does it? Okay, just carry on then. Don't don't blame me though if this doesn't make sense. Okay, not my fault. I did say just one thing though, when you don't get it, don't even think about saying this is British humour. No, this is not British humour, okay? This is poor listening skills and bloody-mindedness, okay? Fine. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm just kidding, obviously. Everyone's welcome, but I do recommend you listen to the other episodes first. Here's another episode, though, about British comedy legend Alan Partridge, and this is part four. When I did parts one to three, uh, I wasn't sure what people would think, but overall, the response was really positive, with lots of people saying that they'd like to hear more. Here's a comment I just got uh, from a long-term listener called Aritz, which sums it up quite well, I think. So the comment goes like this. Hey, Luke, I wanted to write to you about the Alan Partridge episodes. Thank you so much for taking your time to record them. Although I already knew Steve Coogan, you managed to make me understand the character, Alan, and the comedian in more depth. The episodes were educational, funny, and somehow brought us a bit of British culture, something that as a London resident, I always appreciate. Seriously good, uh, great stuff. Thanks again. Well then, let's enter the world of Alan again. So what we're going to do here is listen to some clips of Alan Partridge and then break it all down for language learning. So I've been thinking, which clips should I choose? There's so much. We are spoilt for choice. I've decided to deal with clips from I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1, Episode 2, which follows on from the episode when he was uh, at that meeting with Tony Hares 
and it all goes wrong and he squishes some cheese into his face. Do you remember that? That happened, I think, in part three or part two when he fails to get a second series from Tony Hares, his boss, and he ends up squishing cheese into his face. So this episode, the one we're going to sort of use clips from today, is uh, what happens after. And um, so I've chosen this episode because you already know the context of the story, and it makes sense to just carry on from where we were after hearing that scene. Also, this episode is just brilliant from start to finish. In my opinion, of course, other opinions are available. Uh, One thing I would like to say here is that I really want to recommend that you actually buy some Alan Partridge content. It's really worth it. You should get a DVD or buy a series on iTunes or wherever you can. I'd strongly recommend getting the DVDs for I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1 and 2. Also, you could check out Mid-Morning Matters, Series 1 and 2, if they're available. If you're in the UK, you should find most of the Alan Partridge content uh, on the BBC iPlayer. Uh, including the recent series, this time with Alan Partridge, and I recommend episode four. Um, And as well as those, you could get the Alan Partridge books. The first one is called I, Partridge, We Need to Talk About Alan, and the second one is called Nomad. They're both absolutely brilliant, and it's not an exaggeration to say that they are literally the best books I have ever read. Okay, that is an exaggeration, but it's not really an exaggeration to say that the audiobook versions really are the best audiobooks I've ever heard. The cool thing about the audiobooks is that they're read out by Alan himself, actually the actor Steve Coogan, of course. And this is just amazing. You get hours of Alan reading you both his books, and it's absolutely top-draw comedy writing and top-draw voice acting too. Steve Coogan is a genius. Uh, So you could sign up with Audible and get the two Alan Partridge books, and it just so happens that my Audible offer is still available. You, uh, You download the Audible app on your phone, sign up, and then create an account to get the audiobooks and download them onto your phone. And the offer is one month of free Audible membership plus any audiobook of your choice completely free. So if you like, you can cancel your membership before the end of the month and keep the free book. So it's essentially a free audiobook. Um, audibletrial.com slash teacherluke or click an Audible logo on my website and you could get iPartridge or Nomad. I'd, I'd start with iPartridge. And there's also the Alan Partridge film called Alpha Papa, in which Alan gets involved in an armed hostage situation at a radio station and ends up being the hostage negotiator. So there's plenty of Alan content for you to purchase, and some of it is free. Uh, Okay, so I just wanted to promote the various bits of Alan Partridge stuff that you can get before we begin. Right then, so where were we last time? What's the context So Alan Partridge is this TV and radio presenter from Norwich in East Anglia in England who um, basically only cares about getting on television and enjoying the status of being a national broadcaster. He's convinced that he's A-grade talent when in fact at best he is a D-grade broadcaster or worse. He's pretty much an awful person, although there are obviously worse people out there. Uh, Really, Alan is just lost, deluded, cowardly and deceitful rather than being out-and-out cruel or evil, although he treats his personal assistant, Lynn, pretty badly. But there's something compelling about Alan, even though we certainly don't want to be him, uh, we might recognise ourselves in him. Is he uniquely British? Well, in a way, yes. We tend to enjoy watching comedy characters who are quite awful, who think they're better than they are, and who are unaware of themselves. This seems to be kind of a British thing. A lot of our sitcom characters are like that. British people, we're usually quite self-conscious people who try our best to avoid being like Alan. So maybe there's something quite cathartic about watching someone who is so unaware of himself and so unafflicted by modesty and self-consciousness. He really has like no sense of tact uh, and self-consciousness, as you'll see. Anyway, I shouldn't try to explain all of that. I did enough in parts one to three. Let's just get down to business. So Alan is a parody. He's not a real person, of course. He's just a character. That should be clear. I should make that clear because in the past I have had comments from people who seem to think that Alan was real, but he's not a real person. He's just a character played by Steve Coogan. So he's a parody of a certain type of TV presenter. He used to be a sports reporter, and then he got his own chat show, 
but accidentally he killed a man on live television accidentally with a gun um and so his career has kind of gone downhill he's been thrown out by his wife their marriage has broken up probably because of him because he's a nightmare in fact it's all covered in the i partridge audiobook alan is now living in a roadside motel or travel tavern uh, a sort of a dodgy little roadside hotel next to a motorway or something somehow he avoided criminal proceedings from what happened on his chat show then he failed to get a second series of his show and he ended up having a meltdown and punching his boss in the face with a piece of cheese while shouting smell my cheese you mother so basically he doesn't have a second series and his career is on the rocks he's still presenting a radio show on bbc radio norwich but he's got the pre-breakfast slot which is something like 4.30 to 6.30 a.m. So it's the graveyard shift, basically. So he's drifting into obscurity. In this episode, Alan attempts to deal with the fact that he doesn't have a second series. He's got to face up to certain financial realities, meaning that he can't move into his new five-bedroom house. He has to get a much cheaper car, and he's going to have to lay off or sack or fire almost everyone who he employs at his media production company. He employs about five or six people there, including a middle-aged woman called Jill, who he fancies. Mostly in this episode, we follow Alan as he deals with these things badly in most cases. So he has to sack his production staff, get a smaller car and try to maintain his dignity while living in a shitty little travel tavern kind of thing next to a motorway. So it's Valentine's Day in this episode. So there's a kind of romantic theme. I say romantic, it's not really romantic at all. But Alan ends up chatting up Jill from his production company and takes her out on a date. And Lynn, his personal assistant, seems a bit jealous. The whole thing goes wrong, of course. And uh, we're going we're going to do pretty much the whole episode here, I think. I'm Alan Partridge, Series 1, Episode 2. I've got a video here which I found on dailymotion.com. Now, unfortunately, there is a laughter track on this. So that means that you'll hear an audience laughing in the background. I think it's because, I don't know if it was filmed in front of a live audience or at least kind of um, presented to a live audience and then the the laughter track was recorded. But this was like in the sort of mid to late 90s and in those days laughter tracks were quite common. These days you don't really get them anymore. So that unfortunately there is a laughter track. It's a pity, but honestly, after a while, you will start to ignore it. So the laughter might annoy you at the beginning, but you'll phase it out, you'll ignore it. And eventually you kind of it shows you where where a laugh has happened, obviously, and where a joke has has, has occurred. And so, you know, you should be noticing those things anyway. So we're gonna start with uh, scene one, and we start with Alan um presenting his radio show early in the morning. And we have the opening scenes on BBC Radio Norwich. So here are some things for you to watch out for. Now, what I'm not going to do, uh, which I did in the previous ones, I'm not going to explain the joke before it happens. I'm just going to tell you to watch out for certain things. And it's up to you to try and notice the jokes. Okay? And then we'll go through that clip again and break it down. Okay? So here are quite a few things to watch out for. Here they are anyway. So watch out for Alan's dedication to his PA, Lynn. A PA is a personal assistant and Alan has a dedication for her. That's when you like say something on the radio. Um, maybe we'll give us play a song and dedicate it to someone. Um, watch out for why there is no telephone Cluedo today. So presumably telephone Cluedo is some kind of game of cluedo but with guests calling in over the telephone cluedo is a game i don't know if you know about it it's a sort of a murder mystery game where there are lots of these characters like mr mustard and um um uh, who are the others i can't remember any of the other characters but apparently a murder has happened and you have to work out who did it so that's cluedo and it's an official game with a you know cluedo is i suppose copyrighted so why is there no telephone cluedo today um watch out for what alan says about the sound effect and you hear the the sound effect of a morning cockerel you know a, a chicken a male chicken a cockerel um and then there's the sound of a kiss because it's valentine's day so what does Alan say about that sound effect? And how does Alan define Alan uh, Alan's day? How does Alan define Valentine's day? 
Watch out for how Alan gets the tone of a light pre-breakfast radio show completely wrong by talking about syphilis. Syphilis is a um, a sexually transmitted disease, isn't it? Um, Hold on. Let me just check. I think it's a horrible... Yeah, syphilis is a sexually transmitted infection caused by the bacterium Treponema pallidum subspecies pallidum. The signs and symptoms of syphilis vary depending on which the four but it's basically a horrible infection of the uh sexual organs it's disgusting um so anyway ugh, that's horrible isn't it so uh how does he uh, alan completely ruin the tone of his pre-breakfast show by mentioning syphilis <laughs> how um watch out for how alan ruins dave clifton's joke about valentine's cards so dave clifton is another uh, radio uh, host who actually hosts the breakfast show dave clifton is actually a very interesting character and as you as you learn more about the partriverse that's the partridge universe you you learn a lot more about dave clifton and his background but essentially he is uh, dave clifton is that sort of um absolutely cliched sort of dj radio voice you're listening to bbc radio norwich it's the breakfast show with dave clifton you know he's got that sort of radio dj voice um so dave clifton is your generic radio dj it turns out he's a raging alcoholic with all sorts of horrible personal problems but he's kind of like alan's nemesis uh on bbc radio norwich so anyway Dave Clifton has a joke about Valentine's cards and watch out for how Alan ruins that joke. How does he spoil the joke? And also watch out for how Alan manages to plug chocolate oranges from Rawlinson's. To plug something would be to sort of promote it. Like imagine if you are a writer and you've just written a, a new book and you go onto a TV chat show and you mention your book and you maybe show the book. You're essentially plugging the book there. Okay, you're, trying, you're selling it or promoting it. So watch out for how Alan manages to plug chocolate oranges, which are available from Rawlinson's. So um, what's going on there? Okay, then. So I think we are ready then to listen to that first part. Mmm, a nice big thick slice of thin Lizzie. That was for my tireless PA Lynn, 50, who is as diligent and hard-working a creature as ever graced this world we call... Uh, Earth. <laughs> it's 4.39am. Time to run yourself a big bath. It's Chris Rea. Very malty. OK, there will be no telephone Cluedo today because of a threat of a court injunction from the makers of Cluedo. It's 6.58am. Aha! <laughs> that kissing sound isn't someone kissing me or kissing a cock. It's simply... Uh, a cockerel, I mean. It's simply a way of saying it's Valentine's Day, uh, a day upon which Mr Al Capone... Ruined a romantic night out for many diners by massacring them. Uh, uh, Died of syphilis, he did. So, uh, there is some justice. Uh, Anyway, time for me now to hand over to a man who will hopefully not be massacring anyone this uh, evening, or indeed killing them with uh, syphilis. Is Monsieur David Clifton. Ah, bonjour, Monsieur Partridge. Uh, comment allez-vous, Monsieur? Yeah, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> did, you, did, you, uh, did you get any Valentine's cards this morning? Actually, Alan, I have to say, I came down this morning and I couldn't open my door. Lose your key? I couldn't open my door because I'd lost my key. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did just say that. Anyway, chocolate oranges. OK, it's uh, 7am and uh, we've got a good show lined up for you this morning. Do you like chocolate? Pardon? Do you like chocolate? Yeah, love I've it. Really got to say this, Dave. Yeah, uh, um, chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's uh, seven a.m. And first of all, we got China crisis. <laughs> okay, all right then. So let's go through that again, shall we? I'm going to answer the questions that I uh, didn't have questions. Were they? They weren't really questions. Um, okay, let's just go through this again. And we'll kind of deal with the points that I uh, mentioned earlier. Here we go. So, Alan's dedication to Lynn. Mmm, a nice big thick slice of thin Lizzie. That was for my tireless PA Lynn. 
That was for my tireless PA Lynn. She's tireless. She never gets tired. Uh, that was for my tireless PA Lynn. 50. Who is it? And, and uh, he has to mention that she's 50 for some reason, um, which she probably wouldn't like. That was for my tireless PA Lynn, 50, who is as diligent and hardworking a creature as ever graced this world we call uh, Earth. She's as hardworking and diligent a creature as ever graced this world we call Earth. Uh, hardworking, she's diligent, which basically means hardworking. Okay. It's 4.39 a.m. 4.39. Oh, my goodness. So what was the next point? Uh, why is there no telephone Cluedo? Time to run yourself a big bath. It's Chris Rea. Okay, then we have the, like, the little opening sequence. Like images of Alan doing things. Very malty. Okay, there will be no telephone Cluedo today because of a threat of a court injunction from the makers of Cluedo. (laughs) There will be no telephone Cluedo today because of a threat of a court injunction from the makers of Cluedo. So a court injunction, that's basically when you get a lawyer to contact the court to send out some sort of uh, formal... Uh, notice which says that you have to stop doing something a court injunction so um he's basically been sued uh by the makers of cluedo the game so apparently his um his thing which is called like telephone cluedo whatever is in br- blatant breach of uh, copyright and so he's been he's being sued by cluedo phone cluedo today because of a threat of a court injunction from the makers of cluedo at 6 58 a.m Aha! <laughs> that kissing sound isn't someone kissing me or kissing a cock it's simply uh, a cockerel i mean that kissing sound isn't someone kissing me or kissing a cock a uh, cockerel i mean um, so, okay, so you heard the little jingle, which was the sound of a cockerel crowing, uh, a cock, uh, sometimes they're called that, which obviously can mean something else, can't it? It can mean a, a part of a man's body, right? The part that he, you know, is a penis, right, is also what it means. And so... And isn't someone kissing me, or kissing a cock? It's simply a, a cockerel, I mean... It's simply a way of saying it's Valentine's Day, uh, a day upon which Mr Al Capone ruined a romantic night out for many diners by massacring them. (laughs) Uh, It's Valentine's Day, uh, a night upon which uh, Al Capone ruined a romantic night out for many diners by massacring them. Uh, A a strange way to define Valentine's Day. Uh, But, uh, you know, on the bright side... Uh, Al Capone died of syphilis, so there is some justice. Uh, keep it light, Alan. It's a morning bre- uh, pre-breakfast show. Uh, uh, died of syphilis, he did. So uh, there is some justice. Uh, anyway, time for me now to hand over to a man who will hopefully not be massacring anyone this uh, evening, or indeed killing them with uh, syphilis. Is Monsieur David Clifton. Ah, bonjour, Monsieur Partridge. Uh, comment allez-vous, Monsieur? Yeah, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> did, you, did, you, uh, did you get any Valentine's cards this morning? Actually, Alan, I have to say, I came down this morning and I couldn't open my door. Right, so um, this is Dave Clifton's attempt at a joke. I came to, Did you get any Valentine's cards this morning? Well, I came down this morning and I couldn't open my door. And obviously people are thinking, oh, because you got so many Valentine's cards. It's like, no, I couldn't open my door because I'd lost my key. Ah, right, see what you did there. So that's the joke that he's trying to tell. And Alan just completely ruins it by throwing in the punchline. Valentine's cards this morning? Actually, Alan, I have to say, I came down this morning and I couldn't open my door. Lose your key? I couldn't open my door because I'd lost my key. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did just say that. Anyway, chocolate oranges. OK, it's 7am uh, and uh, we've got a good show lined up for you this morning. Do you like chocolate? Pardon? Do you like chocolate? Yeah, love I've it. I've really got to say this, Dave. Yeah. Uh, um, chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. <laughs> OK, yeah, it's 7am uh, and first of all, we got China Crisis. Uh Chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. <laughs> so he's obviously got some deal with Rawlinson's where he's plugging chocolate oranges. 
uh, which is pretty cheap and uh, not the sort of thing you're supposed to do on uh, on the BBC radio. But chocolate oranges are available from Rawlingtons. He, he had he was like obliged to say that. Okay, so let's move on, and we now see Alan. Um, uh, arriving in the reception of the travel tavern the reception you know where the members of staff greet guests and there's people walking around and stuff so alan arrives in the reception and uh, as he enters um he says good morning to one of the members of staff called ben he says good morning to ben so what's the problem that alan has with ben who he says good morning to uh, then there's susan on reception um so how does alan subtly insult susan on reception what does he say that's kind of insulting to her without it being directly insulting what is the situation with alan and the chocolate oranges uh what is alan's fat back so alan says that he's got a fat back what is alan's fat back uh sophie is also there on the desk uh so can sophie exchange her dark chocolate orange for a milk chocolate one. By the way, do you know what a chocolate orange is, ladies and gents? So it's something we have in the UK. I'm not sure you have it everywhere else. But imagine an orange, but it's made of chocolate, okay? In fact, it's made of segments of chocolate, okay? And you break off the segments. They're like individual sort of uh, orange segment-shaped pieces of chocolate. And when they're all together, they bunch together as a as an orange. But you can break off each segment individually. They're amazing. And they taste of orange. They're like chocolate, nice chocolate, but they've got an orange flavour in there too. So this is, uh, Alan's got some deal with chocolate oranges. And so it's, Sophie um, is wondering if she can exchange her dark chocolate orange for a milk chocolate one. Can she? And someone says, excuse me, are you Alan Partridge? And why? Why does the person say, excuse me, are you Alan Partridge? What is Alan's co- uh, complaint about the soap? And uh, you'll hear laughter. It's because he's, he's, he's acting out, washing himself in the shower. He's got a problem with the soap. And he, someone asks him a question. He, he acts out, washing himself in the shower at the front desk. So that's why there's laughter. So what is Alan's complaint about the soap? And who sent Sophie a Valentine's card? Okay. So um, what's the problem with Ben? He says good morning to him. How does he insult Susan? Situation with the oranges. Alan's fat back. Can Sophie exchange her chocolate orange? Someone says, excuse me, are you Alan Partridge? Alan's complaint about the soap. And who sent Sophie a Valentine's card? Here we go. Morning. All right. Sorry. Good morning. That's the one. Uh, Susan, is he new? Yes, he started yesterday. He just said good morning with his back to me. Oh, he's okay. No, it's just I've never seen that done before. (laughs) Anyway, happy Valentine's Day. How are you? Oh, I'm a bit tired. I need my beauty sleep. Oh, you don't need beauty sleep? Well, 40 winks. Did you get the chocolate orange? Oh, yes, thank you. Good. You might find some superficial damage to the box, but the chocolate's perfectly edible. <laughs> I, uh, I give them to all ladies I know aged 50 and under. <laughs> Over 50 just seems sarcastic. Well, I'm afraid I, I need to watch my figure. Ooh, I'll watch it for you. Through my little binoculars. <laughs> Mind you, I can't talk. I've got a fat back. What's that? To build up a fatty deposit just above the belt line. It's fairly well concealed in casual clothing, but uh, you don't want to see me in my underpants. So Sophie has just turned up. Like, literally, she she arrived as Alan said, oh, you don't want to see me in my underpants. Like, he said that just as she arrived, and now she's trying not to laugh. And Susan has to walk away because it's too much. Sophie, did you get your chocolate orange? Yeah. I got you uh, a dark chocolate one because I know you don't like milk. I do like milk chocolate. Oh, right. Well, I could exchange it. I could talk to my chocolate people. Oh, yes, please. Uh, have you tampered with the wrapping? But there is a bit of uh, superficial damage to the no, box. Don't bother about the damage. They're all damaged. Uh, yeah. Have you kept it below room temperature? I don't think so. Ah, right. In that case, I'm afraid you've invalidated the warranty. Above room temperature, it all congeals into one big dark chocolate cricket ball. Uh, so, I'm afraid consumer rights no longer apply. 
I mean, you could try Watchdog, but uh, I think they've got bigger fish to fry. Excuse me? Are you Alan Partridge? <sighs> yes. You dropped this, your ID card, Radio Norwich? Oh, right, thanks. Right. All right. Good morning. Um, so actually, uh, Sophie, there's an issue I've been meaning to raise in the last two weeks. You know those little soaps you leave in the shower room? Well, they will withstand, at best, one aggressive body scrub. <laughs> they start off the size of mini frisbees, and then they end up like actual-sized paracetamol. Can't you use two? I suppose that might work. So here, Alan is acting out washing his body with the soap. And, uh, and um, what's her name? Sophie can't take it. She has to turn away because she's laughing. Hello, Susan. So, have I upset her? No, she's fine. Right. Um, Alan, did you send Sophie a Valentine's card this morning? Oh, God, no, no. I'm old enough to be her father. Well, an older brother. Either way, it's incest. Sophia Valentine's card. Um, well, I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. <laughs> you know, uh, the fact that he made that jokey remark doesn't necessarily mean that he actually sent you the card. Did you send it? No, I sent you a chocolate orange, but I had the decency to admit it. Oh, come on, Alan, it's just a bit of fun. A lie is a lie. <laughs> Your PA's here. Oh, oh, hello, Lynn. Okay, so this is where Lynn arrives. Okay, then. So, let's go through that again, and we'll find answers to the uh, questions I posed to you earlier. Were they questions? Just things to look out for. So, let's find the right spot here. Here we go. Back to there. Okay, so first of all, it's what's the problem that he has with Ben? He says good morning to him. Morning. All right. Sorry. Good morning. That's the one. He's like, morning, and Ben goes, all right. And Alan goes, sorry, and he goes, uh, morning. He goes, that's the one. So he didn't like the fact that uh, Ben re- replied by going, all right, and he he sort of did it with his back to him as well. <laughs> uh, Susan, is he new? Yes, he started yesterday. He just said good morning with his back to me. He just said good morning with his back to me. And it's like Alan's quite disturbed by this. You know, like he just said good morning with his back to me. Oh, he's okay. No, it's just I've never seen that done before. I've just never seen that done before. <laughs> anyway, happy Valentine's Day. How are you? Oh, I'm a bit tired. I need my beauty sleep. I'm a bit tired. I need my beauty sleep. So this is a phrase that people say, right? Uh, I need my beauty sleep. Just means I need some rest. I need to get a bit of sleep. Um, so she says, I'm a bit tired. I need my beauty sleep. And he And Alan says, oh, you don't need beauty sleep. Uh, meaning you're beautiful, right? Um, you don't need beauty sleep, you're, meaning you're beautiful. And then he goes, well, maybe 40 winks. <laughs> so 40 winks is like saying a nap, to have a little nap, like maybe a, a half an hour or one hour nap, like a siesta. So, uh, oh, I'm a bit tired, I, I need uh, my beauty sleep. Oh, no, you don't need beauty sleep. Well, maybe 40 winks. Or you don't need beauty sleep. Well, 40 winks. <laughs> So this is how he actually kind of subtly insults her by saying that she, she's not that beautiful. Did you get the chocolate orange? Oh, yes, thank you. Good. You might find some superficial damage to the box, but the chocolate's perfectly edible. Um, did you get the chocolate orange? You might find some superficial damage to the box. Superficial damage just means sort of damage to the way it looks or damage to the outside, but it's not like uh, damage that is like going to destroy the box. So it's just sort of like damage on the surface. So um, did you get your chocolate chocolate orange? There might, you might find some superficial damage, but the chocolate is edible or something. Um, so clearly what's going on with the chocolate oranges is he's got some sort of deal going on where if he plugs chocolate oranges from Rawlinson's, they will send him some like shop-soiled uh, chocolate oranges. Shop-soiled. Um, soiled is one of those words that's kind of a formal word that just means dirty. Okay, soiled could mean if you talk about soiled underpants, that means that someone's pooed in their underpants. 
But if something else is described as soiled, for example, um, when you get a, a wash, washing powder for your washing machine to wash your clothes, uh, it'll the instructions will talk about the clothes being soiled or heavily soiled and stuff like this. So it just means dirty, um, essentially. So he's got these shop soiled uh, chocolate oranges, which means chocolate oranges that have probably been on the shelves of shops or have been knocking around uh, in the back of some shop. Um, shop soiled uh, chocolate oranges which he's been giving out on valentine's day to women under 50 or something i uh, I give them to all ladies i know aged 50 and under (laughs) over 50 just seems sarcastic well i'm afraid i need to watch my figure i'm afraid i need to watch my figure which is you know obviously meaning i'm on a diet i'm trying not to uh eat things like chocolate so i'm i I have to watch my figure seems sarcastic I'm afraid I, I need to watch my figure. Well, I'll watch it for you. Two <laughs> little binoculars. <laughs> I'm afraid I need to watch my figure. Oh, I'll watch it for you. Which is a very creepy thing to say. So, oh, get those little binoculars. You know, like in the opera. You have those little binoculars. Ooh. Uh, so he's trying to do light-hearted banter, but it's kind of very awkward and creepy. <laughs> Mind you, I can't talk. I've got a fat back. So this is where he starts talking about his fat back. Uh, what is it about the fat back? It's a, a build-up of fatty deposits just above the belt line. And uh, it's perfectly concealed in casual clothing, but you don't want to see me in my boxer shorts, he says to this girl who he sort of has been flirting with um, occasionally. You don't want to see me in my boxer shorts, he announces to her. What's that? It's a build-up of fatty deposits just above the belt line. It's fairly well concealed in casual clothing, but... Uh... You don't want to see me in my underpants. <laughs> so that's just when um, Sophie turns up and starts laughing. Sophie, did you get your chocolate orange? Yeah. I got you uh, a dark chocolate one because I know you don't like milk. I do like milk chocolate. Oh. So he got her a dark chocolate one because he knows that she doesn't like milk. But then she says, but I do like milk chocolate. And then there's a discussion about whether or not she can change it. Right. Well, I could exchange it. I could talk to my chocolate people. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> I could exchange it. I could talk to my chocolate people. Um, I just like the phrase chocolate people. Um, and she goes, oh, yes, please. And she's immediately got the chocolate orange. She hands it to him. And then at this point, there's like a bit of exchange where the chocolate orange gets pushed back and forth a little bit. Um, so she's handed it to him. Uh, have you tampered with the wrapping? Have you tampered with the wrapping? So again, this kind of formal language that Alan likes to use. Um, I, I would have said, like, have you tried to open it? Have you, have you, um, you know, damaged it at all? Have you tried to open it? But have you tampered with the wrapping? To tamper with something is to sort of interfere with something. Um, like you would tamper with the controls, uh, but you, you're not supposed to be touching the controls. Like the, the heating for the house, like you've been given specific instructions not to touch the heating of the building or whatever it is. And if you touch the heating and change the controls, you're tampering with the controls. If you tamper with the wrapping, it means you kind of like maybe uh, trying to open it or sneak your fingers in there or something like that. So have you tampered with the wrapping? He, he says to her in this formal way. Uh, have you tampered with the wrapping? But there is a bit of uh, superficial damage to the no, box. Don't bother about the damage. They're all damaged. Uh, yeah. Have you kept it below room temperature? I don't think- have you kept it below room temperature? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay, What's what, what happens if you keep it um, above or at room temperature? What happens, Alan? I think so. Ah, right. In that case... So he slides it back towards her. Like, have you kept it below room temperature? No, I don't think so. Right, well, in that case, and he slides it back towards her. I'm afraid you've invalidated the warranty. You've invalidated the warranty. So, you know, when you get a product, you get a guarantee or a warranty, which is basically like a sort of legal protection that uh, uh, you can get a replacement if there's something wrong with it. So because she uh didn't keep it below room temperature uh she's invalidated the warranty and he slides it back towards her above room temperature it all congeals into one big dark chocolate cricket ball above room temperature it all congeals into a dark chocolate cricket ball 
So to remember, the chocolate orange is made out of segments that go round to make an orange. And normally you break it open and all the segments fall out. It's rather beautiful, really. And it's in a kind of foil wrapper and all the segments open out and you can then eat them one by one. But if you, according to Alan, if you keep it, you know, at room temperature, all the pieces will congeal together. That means they will all sort of like melt together and then you'll end up with a big dark chocolate cricket ball. I'm afraid consumer rights no longer apply. I mean, you could try a watchdog, but uh, I think they've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> consumer rights no longer apply. You could try watchdog, but I think they've got bigger fish to fry. Watchdog was a TV show, BBC TV show, uh, all about consumer rights. And they would take up these campaigns. For example, I mean, I don't think that watchdog would do a thing about how um, Rawlinson's refused to replace um, a, a, a box of chocolate orange or something. Um, so anyway... So he's saying that consumer rights no longer apply. Excuse me? Are you Alan Partridge? Yes. So, of course, Alan thinks that this person has recognised him as a famous celebrity, but no. You dropped this, your ID card, Radio Norwich? Oh, right. You dropped this, your ID card. So it's not that he's recognised him, it's just that he'd found his ID card. Uh, And this is the guy who earlier said good morning with his back to Alan and so he kind of says morning to him as a little cheeky uh, thing All right. good morning <laughs> um, so actually uh, Sophie there's an issue I've been meaning to raise in the last two weeks you know those little soaps you leave in the shower room well they will withstand at best one aggressive body scrub <laughs> Those, those little sh- soaps that you keep in the hotel room. You know when you stay in a hotel, you have the, the soaps are in individual wrappers and they're tiny. They're probably oh, a couple of inches long, not very big. Um, so he's, he's saying, what's the problem he's got with the soaps? That they will, they will withstand at best one aggressive body scrub. <laughs> An aggressive body scrub? Um, so for, for some reason now we imagine Alan giving himself an aggressive body scrub. So he's complaining about the size of the soaps, that they're too small and they don't withstand one aggressive body scrub, um, according to Alan. Our room, well, they will withstand at best one aggressive body scrub. <laughs> I like the, the wording, though. They will withstand one aggressive body scrub uh, at best to withstand something. So if, you, if you're strong enough, let's say, oh, I don't know, what would, you, what would it be to withstand something? If you're outside and it's very cold and rainy, and the wind is whipping by, and you're outside, but you're sort of strong enough to withstand the conditions, right? To withstand something, meaning to kind of um, resist something. So he's saying that these soaps are uh, strong enough to withstand, at best, one aggressive body scrub. So they, they, the soap is sort of fighting against this aggressive body scrub and failing. <laughs> They start off the size of mini frisbees and then they end up like actual size paracetamol. Can't you use two? I suppose that might work. So this is where Alan uh, mimes uh, scrubbing his body, giving himself an aggressive body scrub with two, uh, <laughs> two soaps. So he's washing his body and, and his chest and his belly and he's under his arms. And then he goes all the way under, down into his bum and he starts washing it. <laughs> he starts washing in his bum as well. Um, so this is just him like pretend, imagining what it would be like to wash with two soaps. But why he has to go all the way down and wash the bum as well is ridiculous. So that's why you hear laughter. Just write that down. Right. Sophie can't take it. She... Hello, Susan. So, have I upset her? No, she's fine. Um, Alan, did you send Sophie a Valentine's card this morning? Did you send Sophie a Valentine's card this morning? And Alan's like, no, 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 I'm old enough to be her father. Or or maybe her brother. But either way, it's incest. No, no, I'm old enough to be her father. Well, an older brother. Either way, it's incest. Um, do I need to define incest? You've watched Game of Thrones, haven't you? You should know what incest is. Uh, it features quite heavily in Game of Thrones, so I understand. Uh, not that I've really watched the show. But anyway, incest is when, like, family members have it off with each other. It's when family members have sexy time together. Yeah, it's not, not something to be encouraged or applauded at any time. 
But anyway, there it is. So he's saying, oh, I'm old enough to be her father or her older brother. Either way, it's incest. Like, Alan, 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 what are you doing, sir? Um, so uh, what happens next? So who sent Sophia Valentine's card? Who sent Sophia Valentine's card? Alan's saying it's not him. Did you send Sophia Valentine's card? Um, well, I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. So Ben is asked, uh, Ben, did you uh, send Sophia Valentine's card? Well, I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. More kind of formal English, but he's doing it in a flirtatious manner, as if to say, I don't have the authority to give that information. So he's being sort of flirtatious. I don't, I'm not, I'm not at liberty, meaning I don't have the freedom to divulge, meaning to disclose or reveal that information. Um. Well, I'm not at liberty to divulge that information. <laughs> you know, uh, the fact that he made that jokey remark doesn't necessarily mean that he actually sent you the card. <laughs> so, it's true. I mean, technically true. Uh, that it, Just because he made that remark, it doesn't mean uh, that he definitely sent the card. Did you send Sophia Valentine's card? Well, I, I, I can't say. You know, it's like, uh, we don't know that he actually did, so they're all getting excited, but Alan has to make a technical point which is well technically that's not a confirmation that he sent the card just saying did you send it no i sent you a chocolate orange but i had the decency to admit it <laughs> I, I sent you a chocolate orange but i had the decency to admit it so now for alan uh, sending an anonymous valentine's card is an indecent thing to do um because it's 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 it basically for him it's considered to be lying he, it's for him it's tantamount to lying um, so, you know, I sent you a chocolate orange, but I had the decency to admit it. So sending a, a Valentine's card anonymously is like some sort of deceitful lie for Alan. Completely misunderstanding the whole point of it. Did you send it? No, I sent you a chocolate orange, but I had the decency to admit it. <laughs> oh, come on, Alan, it's just a bit of fun. A lie is a lie. <laughs> OK, so this is where Alan's P.A. Lynn turns up so lynn arrives to talk to alan about his finances so here are some things for you to watch out for some questions so first of all what's the good news and what is the bad news what about his rover 800 so a rover 800 is quite a large car it's a bit like a sort of bmw 5 series something like that so what about his rover 800 and is he willing to drive a mini metro to save money a mini metro I don't know if you ever had them in your countries, but they're like, you know, tiny cars. You know, there are just always these tiny cars. I mean, the Mini is the most famous one, probably, uh, but there are loads of much more boring uh, small cars as well. So uh, the Mini Metro is one of those, also made by Rover. So is he willing to drive a Mini Metro to save money? And what does he have to do regarding Pear Tree Productions? That's the name of his media production company, Pear Tree Productions, because of... Uh, uh, you know, Anna Partridge in a pear tree, which is like that old song, uh, the 12 days of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. That's why he's called it Pear Tree Productions, because he's Alan Partridge. So what does he have to do with uh, Pear Tree Productions? How does Lynn feel about Jill? Remember, Jill is uh, someone who works for Alan at Pear Tree Productions. How does Lynn feel about Jill? And what is Alan's scam at the be at the breakfast buffet what is his scam so a breakfast buffet is you know you can imagine it would be like all you can eat from this plate or whatever what is alan's scam a scam is like a little trick that you play to get something it's a little bit criminal as well potentially okay so good news bad news what about the car what about pear pre pear tree productions how does lynn feel about jill and what's going on with the breakfast buffet here we go your PA's here. Oh, oh, hello, Lynn. Shall we grab a pew? Thanks for my dedication this morning. Very nice. You're welcome. You realise it was nothing to do with Valentine's Day. <laughs> what have you got for me? Uh, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? The good news? Well, Rawlinson's have said you can have another 50 of the shop soil chocolate oranges if you plug them again tomorrow. Excellent. And the bad news? The accountants say that since you've definitely not got a second series from the BBC. You're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions and close the office down. Otherwise, they're going to declare you bankrupt on Friday. 
Still, good news about the chocolate oranges. <laughs> now, Alan, you're going to have to trade down your River 800 for a smaller car. Go on. I picked up these brochures for the new Metro. It's, it's a lovely car. Len, and if you I, do... Len, I'm not I... driving a Mini Metro. But you do have to make substantial savings. Len, I'm not driving a Mini Metro. But if you do, you can keep pear tree productions going with a skeleton staff of two... There's and no just... point finishing the sentence, Len, because I'm not driving a Mini Metro. But if it... Len, I'll just speak over you. But... <laughs> Go on, try and finish the sentence and see what I do. Go on. I'm not driving a Mini Metro. No, no, it's different. It's called a Rover Metro now. They've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> well, Alan, if you want a Rover 200, you're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions. Fine. <laughs> Including Jill. Jill. Lovely Jill. She's my favourite. But fine, I'll sack her. <laughs> you smiled then, Lynn. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I can read you like a book. And not a very good book. Certainly not Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb. Which actually improves with every read. No, you smile because you don't like Jill because she's younger than you. No, she's not. She's 50. Well, so's Helen Mirren. So's Benjamin Netanyahu. You're always going on about Benjamin Netanyahu. Let it go, Lynn. You're never going to meet him. Right, I'm going to get a spot of breakfast. Oh, quick tip, Lynn. You know the uh, breakfast buffet? Eat as much as you like, but from an eight-inch plate... See that? Twelve inches. Keep, keep it in my room. See you later. Aye, aye. OK, so let's go through that again and we'll break it down. So I need to find the beginning of that section, which is when Lynn turns up. So here we go. All right. My dedication this morning. So Lynn, thanks, Alan, for his dedication. And he has to... He feels it's necessary to clarify that it was... You know, you realise it was nothing to do with Valentine's Day, right? Very nice. You're welcome. You realise it was nothing to do with Valentine's Day. <laughs> what have you got for me? <laughs> Just to be clear. Uh, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? The good news? Well, Rawlinson's have said you can have another 50 of the shop soil chocolate oranges if you plug them again tomorrow. You, uh, so Rawlinson's have said that you can have another 50 of the shop soiled chocolate oranges if you plug them again tomorrow. So this is what's what alan's got going on here he's got some dodgy under the table deal with rawlinson's where he plugs them very unsubtly and they give him like all these dodgy shop soiled chocolate oranges in return what a crappy little deal he's got going on 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 the side he's very proud of it as well he he feels like it's a it's a really good deal well the bad news the accountants say that since you've definitely not got a second series from the BBC. You're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions and close the office down. You're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions and close the office down. All right, so it's goodbye Pear Tree Productions. Otherwise, they're going to declare you bankrupt on Friday. Otherwise, they're going to declare you bankrupt on Friday. So if you are bankrupt, it means that you, basically your your liabilities outweigh your assets that you just don't have enough money to pay off your your bills and your debts so you're declared bankrupt which is a sort of specific uh, legal state so uh, you're gonna have to sell off your production company fire everyone uh, otherwise they're gonna declare you bankrupt on friday still good news about the chocolate oranges (laughs) still good news about the chocolate oranges yeah okay all right so what's next what's the other thing that i asked you so what about the car what about the situation with the car well i think you got it right he basically is he's refusing to drive a mini metro and um because he just um is not willing to sort of i mean you know like cars represent something about you don't they and they're they're very important status symbols and so for alan it's an absolute red line that he will never drive a mini metro um, he's willing to go down to a Rover 200, which is a bit like a Ford Focus or something, but he will flat out refuse to drive a Mini Metro, even if it means sacking everyone in his production company. Uh, he, it's, a, it's a red line issue for him. Now, Alan, you're going to have to trade down your Rover 800. You're going to have to trade down your, your Rover 800. Trade it, meaning sell it, and, and then sort of downsize to a smaller car. A smaller car. Go on. I picked up these brochures for the new Metro. 
it's a lovely car. Lynn, and if you I, do, Lynn, I'm not driving a Mini Metro. I love this because it's like Alan's just like, wait, Lynn, you're wasting your time because. There's absolutely no way I'm going to drive a mini. Look, look I, I'm not driving a mini metro. All right, it's that it's just uh, impossible. So he's absolutely, completely convinced and certain, and she continues to try. But this is like, sorry, Lynn, there's no way I'm going to drive a mini metro. But, but you do have to make substantial savings. Lynn, I'm not driving a mini metro. But if you do, you can keep Petri Productions going with a skeleton staff of two. There's no just... point finishing the sentence, Lynn, because I'm not driving a mini metro. But if it... Lynn. I'll just speak over you. But I... Go on, try and finish the sentence and see what I do. Go on. A I'm not driving a mini metro. No, 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 it's different. It's called a Rover Metro now. They've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> that is one of those quotes that people often uh, repeat. They've rebadged it, you fool. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that is funny. What is it that's funny about just saying rebadged? I mean, it's a very specific word. Um, I think it it would only be used whenever whenever like a product or a thing has been sort of renamed. It's essentially the same thing, but it's just got a new name or a new badge on it. So it would be particularly used with cars, where, for example, a um, in Europe, an Opal car would be rebadged as a Vauxhall in the UK. And, um, you know, cars get rebadged and things. It's such a specific word that and Alan tosses it out, tosses it out as if it's just like a normal thing to say. So, uh, you know, they've rebadged it, you fool. No, it's different. It's called a Rover Metro now. They've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> well, Alan, if you want a Rover 200, you're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions. You're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions. So to fire someone, to sack someone, and to lay someone off, maybe to dismiss someone, which is quite formal. So you're going to have to sack everyone at Pear Tree Productions. And Alan's kind of like, yeah, okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> Including Jill. Jill. Lovely Jill. She's my favourite. But fine, I'll sack her. <laughs> it's like, uh, you'll have to sack everyone. Yeah, fine. It's like including Jill. Oh, Jill, lovely Jill. She is my favourite. But fine, I'll sack her. <laughs> you smiled then, Lynn. No, I didn't. So Lynn sort of lets out a little smile, and Alan notices and says, "I, you know, are you, um, you don't like Jill because she's younger than you, and I, I can read you like a book, which is a phrase that we use when you can sort of, yeah, when you know what someone is thinking. You could say, I, I can read you like a book, or you can read me like a book, can't you? She did, I can read. I can read you like a book, Lynn. Read you like a book. And not a very good book. <laughs> Certainly not Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb. Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb is a book about a sort of a, a British soldier in the Gulf War, I think, and it's a sort of an adventure story about a soldier behind enemy lines. This is Alan's kind of thing. And so uh, I can read you like a book, Lynn. Not a very good book. Certainly not Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb, which actually improves with every read. <laughs> Which actually improves with every read. <laughs> no, you smile because you don't like Jill because she's younger than you. No, she's not. She's 50. Well, so is Helen Mirren. So is Benjamin Netanyahu. You're always going on about Benjamin Netanyahu. Let it go, Lynn. You're never going to meet him. <laughs> right, get a spot of breakfast. Oh, quick tip, Lynn. You know the uh, breakfast buffet? Eat as much as you like, but from an eight-inch plate. See that? 12 inches. Keep, keep it in my room. See you later. So the, what happened there is that Alan's got his little plate trick. So uh, what was the buffet? What does he say about it? You know the uh, breakfast buffet? Eat as much as you like, but from an 8-inch plate. Eat as much as you like, but from an 8-inch plate. Well, Alan has hidden a 12-inch plate in his bag, and so he keeps sneaking the plate down to the buffet and eating more than he's allowed because he's got a 12-inch plate. It's a very sad little scam that he's got going on, but he's very proud of himself. See that? 12 inches. Keep, keep it in my room. See you later. Aye, aye, Mr. Partridge. Morning. Hey, Valentine's Day of the day, eh? Lovers in the air. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day today and love is in the air. Aye, aye. Oh, getting the hang of this. <laughs> Mind you, I have been here 10 weeks. 
Okay, so then Alan encounters Michael, who's like, Valentine's Day today, Mr. Partridge, love is in the year. It's Valentine's Day today and love is in the air. Aye. So he's kind of getting used to Michael's accent. Now then, what happens next is that uh, Alan has to go to meet the staff at Pear Tree Productions. So there are actually six members of staff in the office there at Pear Tree Productions. They're waiting for Alan to come. They're waiting to get news on whether or not he's got a second series. And we know now, Alan knows, he doesn't have a second series. So he's actually going to have to go in, tell them that they don't have a second series, and then tell them that they're all fired. And how is he going to do it? Now, we're going to stop here because we're about our, we are about an hour in to this episode so we're going to stop here and so we'll find out about how alan deals with uh, sacking his staff at pear tree productions what happens and what goes on between him and jill we'll find out about that later on but we're going to pause here and the rest will continue in part five thank you very much for listening um do let me know your thoughts in the comments section i wonder what you think of this did you enjoy this did you find this interesting did you learn anything from it i mean i've been going through it now right so here's the thing for me right so um Whenever I when I watched Alan Partridge uh, the first time when it was on TV, I thought it was hilarious and amazing, and I've always considered it to be really good quality uh, comedy and TV, uh, full of quotable lines and loads of things to enjoy and explore. So I've really held it up very very high level of esteem in my mind. And then I think to myself, right, so I'm going to do a podcast episode where I uh, talk about it and share those things and talk about specifically why they're funny. And um, this worked before because I managed to break things down in a sort of coherent way and help people to understand it. And people laughed and they enjoyed it. So I must do that again. So I thought I'm going to do it again. And I'll pick one of the episodes that I think is the best. And we'll go through it bit by bit. And it'll be a test for people's listening skills because they'll have to try and follow what's being said um, in this um, fairly subtle comedy. And then I'll break it down for everyone and you'll learn all those bits and pieces. And then I kind of go through it. And I've just been going through that there. That's like maybe the first, only the first 10 minutes or so of the episode. And all the way through, I've been thinking, oh, you know, it's not, it's not like clicking enough. It's not fizzing. There's not enough comedy in this. I've, I've got a feeling like people are not going to get it. It's going to seem very flat. Like it'll feel like just very flat, like just drinking tap water, just no flavor or fizz to it or, or substance to it. This is what I'm worried about because, um, maybe breaking it down kind of somehow takes something away from the humor. I don't know what it is, but anyway, um, let me know your thoughts in the comments section. Um, I'm very curious to know. As a teacher in a classroom, I sometimes use comedy clips. And what I do is that I pause the clip and ask the students to repeat what they've heard. And it really reveals lots of things about um, the, the way that English is actually naturally used and the gap between what people are saying and what my students are actually understanding. There's like quite a large gap. And a lot of that is due to, due to uh, pronunciation and also grammar and vocab. So I would use comedy clips and things. I would love to do a full, say, 25-minute episode in one of my lessons where I take the whole episode from a TV show and we just spend the entire lesson just watching it and breaking it down and repeating things and looking at the language. But I never do that because I kind of think as a teacher, you're supposed to do uh, lessons in a certain way and just sitting down and going through an episode of a TV show is not the conventional thing to do. So I kind of wouldn't normally do it. But on the podcast, I can kind of do what I want and there are no rules. And so I get the chance to do the thing that I would love to do in my classroom, but I can just do it on the podcast. But I don't have the luxury of having people in front of me who can tell me what they think, who who's um, you know, who who I, I can observe and see how it's going for them and adapt what I'm doing for them. I don't have that ability. I've talked about this lots of times on the podcast where I'm just talking to an empty room. I'm just talking to my computer. So do get in touch and let me know about these Alan episodes. I do intend to do the rest of them to finish off this episode where we're at Valentine's Day in Alan Partridge's world. Uh, so there'll be more to come, but let me know what you think. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Check out LEP Premium at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. I did a five-part series, which is available for you. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for listening. Speak to you again in the next one. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. 
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.